Shout out to Chance Rapper for that. Well, wait a minute. I'm a little irritated with my bro Chance. We'll talk about that later <laughs> in the podcast. This has been a doozy of a week. And I just want to know how y'all doing out there. Y'all okay? Y'all making it? I hope that you're making it. I hope that you're doing well. We'll get into why this has been a crazy week. But for now, welcome to the jigsaw y'all know how we do it this is the podcast where we get together and we try our best to try to figure out and to navigate the craziest puzzle piece ever invented and that is the jigsaw of life we talk about the perils the praises the productivity and the pump and circumstance of being a real life black millennial in america I am doing okay. I am overwhelmed with information and jokes and memes and gifts. And I think you know why Jada Pinkett Smith is entangled. <laughs> and we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about it in the billboard. One, because there were so many other things that I think um were so much more important and have much more depth than that. We all know that Will and Jada have had a very interesting situation. Over the years, people have ascribed them as goals. They have never been really goals for me, but, you know, their house, their business, their marriage, everything is on them. I don't have much to say other than the word entangled has been used up and dried up very quickly (laughs) since that Red Table Talk. And I will not, um, it will not be too soon if I never hear the word entangled again. That's what I wanted to say. There it is. Nick Cannon got fired. Um, unfortunately, for speaking what he thought was the truth um, concerning his views on white people and the history of how they've mistreated African-Americans and black folks in this country. But that's a whole another discussion for another day. We're not going to dive deep, deep into that either. Diddy did offer him the opportunity to come to Revolt TV because Revolt is owned by Diddy and it's black owned. Now, don't have any problems with that. Actually like that gesture. However, Diddy run makes his records his masters, his money. How about you do that first before you start offering any other reprieve to anyone else? And lastly, in this intro kind of segment of the billboard, kind of pseudo segment, Terry Crews will not shut up. And I just really wish that he would. He keeps talking. Now he's talking about defunding Pornhub, which I do have some thoughts about that. But it's like, bro, you probably do not have the intellectual capacity to back up that argument. Furthermore, Why are you even bringing this up? There are so many other things right now that we need to be focused on, but I'm not going to get into the stupidity um, that is Terry Crews. So without further ado, we have a pretty um, interesting episode ahead of us. I think it's going to be a good one. Our living room conversation is going to be super dope. I have a guest that's going to talk to us about the power of music. If you have not caught it by the title, then you kind of know that's what we're going to be talking about today. So I'm super excited about that. But let's go ahead and get into it because, like I said, this week has been crazy if you've been paying attention at all. So we got some stuff we want to talk about in the billboard. But before we get there, let's get into the Bless Up Report. Let's do it. Yeah. Right now. 
This week on the Bless Up Report, we want to shout out um, Dr. Michael Drake. The University of California named Dr. Drake as their first black president of the university system. This is the first time that a black person has been named president in the 150th year of the university. Um, he is a University of California trained physician, and he was the previous chancellor of the University of California at Irvine. And he also was the previous president of the Ohio State University from 2014 to 2020. He was in UC Irvine from 05 to 2014 and served at Ohio State from 14 to 2020. Um, while he was at Ohio State, he doubled the African-American enrollment and increased retention and graduation rates among all of their students. Um, as the new president, Drake says that he is excited and ready to go. He's a firm believer of di in diversity and inclusion, and he believes that it takes all of us to make a difference. So we are super excited about this black man leading um, the force and the tribe that is the University of California. I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Um, I'm excited how he brings some of that same, that nature of doubling the enrollment of African-American students, how he brings that to the University of California and not just increasing the enrollment, but how he kind of changes the culture and makes that a space, a safer space for students of color, particularly black men and women who decide to attend, attend that college. We are expecting nothing but great things from you, brother. We are so excited about what you're going to do. Bless up. You have all of our support. One more addition to the Bless Up Report this week, um, we found out that today, or maybe it was yesterday, because this is this recording is going to come out uh, maybe a day later. <laughs> um, but Asheville, North Carolina, the council there approves a reparations bill or law for all the black residents in a unanimous vote. It was seven to zero. Um, but however, everybody's excited. I think this is. Let me start by saying I think this is absolutely dope. I do. I think it is dope. But everyone's excited because when we hear reparations, we automatically think of checks and money and things like that. Well, in this case, there will not be checks um, granted to the African-American families and individuals who live within Asheville, North Carolina. However, there will be direct funding dedicated to black programming within the city, and there will be direct investment in areas that have been previously underrepresented and underserved. I think that that is an amazing first step especially when we've been having more robust conversations around reparations, specifically in this election cycle. Um, a lot of people do not know what they would do. They're talking about creating task force and doing years and years of research where maybe my generation may not ever see reparations. Who knows how long their research and that analysis will last. However, directly putting it into black communities, right? That are sometimes, well, not sometimes, a lot of times facing gentrification in a way that makes those communities no longer black, but investing in them in such a way where those black families are not displaced, where we are giving um, interest-free and forgivable loans and grants to small black businesses to be able to open up in black communities. I saw something on a social media post earlier this week that suggested that HBCUs should have black businesses and black-owned restaurants. So even things like that, like investing into black communities that bring and recycle black dollars within that community. So hopefully they're able to diminish all of the red tape and provide adequate access to this level of program. And I think this is a great first step. I also believe that black families should receive checks. 
um, reparations in forms of checks and money. So let's not get it twisted. But I do believe this is a great first step. I'm excited to see how it plays out. And I'm even more excited to see how this could have a residual um, effect on other cities and other areas. Asheville is a rather small but kind of well-known city in North Carolina, if you know anything about like the, the tourist kind of side of it all. So it's not like this is really small hick town. However, it's not like in Atlanta or Nashville or Orlando or DC or anything like that. However, I do think because it's making national news and this has been a national conversation that this will kind of spark some type of domino effect in other places. And I'm very interested to see. But in the meantime, bless up to all of y'all council members that voted on this. You definitely have our support and we're super excited to see where this goes next. All right, y'all. Let's get into the billboard. This week's episode of the billboard. Here we are. Let's start with something great. Beyonce, our queen. <laughs> she teams up with the NAACP to give grants to black businesses impacted by Miss Rona. Um, the grants will be in the form of 10000 Well, they'll be up to $10,000 and they'll be giving to black businesses in the cities of Houston, Atlanta, New York. Los Angeles and Minneapolis. I think this is dope. Um, I did not find a lot of information about why she chose or why the NAACP chose those specific cities. I do know Houston and Atlanta has a very high concentration of black individuals and black business owners. So that could definitely have something to do with it. You know, Beyonce is from Houston, so there's no surprise there. But L.A., um, New York are also really big cities and metropolises that um, has an influx of business owners and entrepreneurs. So I'm sure that has something to do with it. And then Minneapolis, of course, that's what sparked this most recent surge of uh, activism and advocacy. So shout out to that. No need to go into some of those details, but I'm super excited that black businesses will have the opportunity to get funds necessary to help them jump back, um, jump start, whatever. <laughs> the verb is right to get back into regular business operation or at least get close to regular business operation. So shout out to you. Applications will close on July 18th. So if you are a listener of the podcast and you are in one of those cities, please make sure you are applying by July 18th because they will select and announce winners of those grants on July 31st. Speaking of black excellence, um, kind of tying into the blessing report a little bit. I want I make I want to make sure I gave y'all some good stuff, some some really good pure and positive stuff. Lemoyne Owen College, you probably never, some of you may not have heard of. It is a small liberal arts institution, HBCU in Memphis, Tennessee, one of the smaller ones, but it has received their largest donation in its 158 year history. They received a $40 million donation donation from the Community Foundation of Memphis. This is so major because Lamont, again, is a very small school. They're not big. So, you know, that means that they don't get some of the press like a Morehouse or Spellman or Clark Atlanta or Howard, FAMU, North Carolina a you know, some of the ones that you can just spit off, Fisk, Xavier, stuff like that, right? They don't get the kind of 
the the press and the recognition that other big HBCUs get. And sometimes we can, we can have another conversation about that. However, this right here, this grant has done something absolutely amazing. It is going to help them provide scholarships to their students. I am absolutely sure they're going to invest in some infrastructure. They're probably going to invest in some things academically, maybe into some of their programming, be it sports or community centers or student centers and things like that. I'm just super excited because Lemoyne on is really important to the the people of Memphis. Shout out to Memphis. Y'all know I'm from Memphis. It's super important to that community, the Soulsville community in which it sits in. So I'm super excited about this donation. I am not a graduate of Lemoyne Owen, but I am a graduate of an HBCU. So I do know the importance of having these types of dollars, especially when you do not have the robust endowments of not just a PWI or a state school, but just other HBCUs who seem to be thriving, you know, and getting some of the donations on a more consistent basis. So I am super glad that this foundation that was that's in the city that the school sits in as well decided to invest in them in such a way. Great move. Excited to see how you're going to make those dollars turn into something tangible and great for the community and the students that will come. All right. Viola, Viola Davis was on the cover of Vanity Fair as she absolutely destroyed it. I mean, sis was beautiful. I mean, absolutely. It was a beautiful cover. Um, I mean, just beautiful. And she chose a black photographer and choosing this black photographer made him um, the first black photographer to ever shoot for the cover of Vanity, um, Vanity Fair. I think that was absolutely amazing. And this is the kind of stuff that we can do as a community to support each other, making sure that we're reaching across the aisle, making sure that we're bringing somebody with us, making sure, right? You know what I'm saying? That when we have the opportunity to be in these type of rooms, if we know someone that we say their name, that we honor their work, that we honor what they're doing and how they're doing it. Viola Davis definitely did that. She has always been one to really stand out in her blackness and to be proud of it. Um, I think I read somewhere where she has talked about her life, living, living her life as a protest and how even when she went to the Oscars, in 2012, the fact that she decided not to wear a wig was just her being a protest. And I think I posted it on my Instagram the other day. Um, it was from a black therapy page that suggested that being your most authentic self is a form of protest. And, I, and that is so real. And it resonated with me so much because Oftentimes, especially those of us who work in corporate America, have this unnecessary pressure to assimilate or we have to feel like we have to hide certain things about us and who we are because they are not the blackest or they are. I mean, well, they are black. Right. Or they're not the most acceptable. Let me say it that way. So we try to not buy into stereotypes and not to do whatever, whatever, when it's just simple things that we like or it's just simple things about us and our culture. Um, I know for me, when I was at lunch. I would politely bust out my Louisiana hot sauce. Why? Because I wanted it on whatever I was eating and grew to a place to where that did not matter. I know that's something really small and minuscule, but it does speak to a larger issue about black people not all the times resting in their authenticity because they don't know how they will or will not be accepted. And Viola Davis has been one of those individuals who has always been authentic in who she is and how she has presented. And she has openly acknowledged that it is a form of protest and just her being able to even display that on that very white 
magazine cover, <laughs> right? And then bring somebody black along to capture the essence of her beauty and who she is to that cover was absolutely amazing. So shout out to you, Queen, for killing the cover and for consistently representing um, black America and black folk in the awesome way that you do it. Okay. So last thing on the billboard this week is somebody shot Meg the Stallion. Now, everybody is subs- suspecting that it was Tory Lanez. Now, before we get into that, Tory Lanez was arrested and police report came out. This brother is five, like five, two hundred twenty some pounds. Like, and he had on clothes. <laughs> so that is a small dude. Let's just let's just go there. But anyway, beyond that, they were hanging out. Meg, Tori, and her friend Kelsey, and they were in this SUV. Allegedly, there was some type of altercation that went on, and then Meg got shot in the foot. Police got there. There was a video they hit the shade room today that showed a different angle. Meg stepping out of the truck. She was already kind of limping. She didn't have on shoes. Tori was already in police custody or they already had arrested him or whatever at that moment. So it's just really unclear about what happened. Meg did release an iOS press release, a statement on her Instagram that said that the stories that have been reported were not true and they were not accurate. Um, So she kind of dismantled some of it, but she did not write out, say who shot her, how it happened, what was going on. Kelsey also said that she did not do it, but she was there. She hasn't said anything either. So I don't know if this because this still it's an ongoing investigation that they really can't speak. But we do know is that Meg was hospitalized. She says that she is recovering and that she's hoping to be better so she can bring us music and twerk videos and the titanium needs that we know her to have. <laughs> I really hope that it was not anything domestic. And, you know, I'm not like a Tory Lane stan, but I appreciate what he brings to music, right, for what he does for culture, whatever it is that he does, his singing rap type thing. Um, You know, I'm, his music is cool, whatever. I really hope that this was not like domestic violence, that he didn't pop off and say some stupid and responded with gunshots. Like, I really pray that that's not the case. I hope that there is a level of clarity that comes out of this. I hope that whatever level of justice that needs to happen, go ahead and happens so that all parties involved can go on with their lives, do what they're needing to do. And then we can go on um, living safely. Like Rona is already taking us out. We do not need friends and silly, frivolous altercations to take us out. All right. So breathe in and breathe out because that was a lot. (laughs) That was a lot. But that's our billboard report for this week. I'm excited, like I said, to get into this conversation. Hey, Mr. DJ, coming up to party. All right, all right, uh, I guess I'm ready. So we can, oh, I lost the key. Break it down. Everybody, move your body. Let's do it. Here is something that's gonna make you move and groove. Hey, DJ, you're playing a song all night, on and on and on. Yeah, that was unnecessary, but it was necessary <laughs> because today's episode is all about music. And when I think about music, 
Um, I don't always think about that song, but I just think about the power of music and the ability to request songs. You know, it just popped my mind. Anyway, anyway, let's get ready. You know how we do. <laughs> let's get ready to have this conversation, our living room conversation. Grab your snack, grab your favorite drink. Let's head on to the living room, take a seat on the couch, and let's do it, y'all. All right, what's going on, y'all? And welcome to another segment of The Living Room. I am super, super excited. I got somebody mad special sitting on the virtual couch with me. My sister is here, Miss Candy West. Introduce yourself. Tell the people who you are. Hey, hey, y'all. I'm so excited to be a part of the podcast tonight. And my name is Candy West, hailing from Dallas, Texas, by way of Huntsville, Alabama. And you know, and you know, she was kind of modest and humble with that. She's a a whole pastor, a music extraordinaire, <laughs> a purveyor of excitement and anointing. I'm just, I'm super hyped right now. <laughs> I, mean, I would have done it anyway. So you got it. <laughs> so today's conversation is going to be centered um, around music and the power of it, and the love of it, and um, a seat. One, my party trick is what I like to tell people is that. Um, I was a former minister of music. Oh, my, I love that. Yeah, don't don't love it too much. Uh, because oh, every time I say it, people try to pull it back out. I'd be like, nope, I'm gonna be like, nope, uh, nope, you only nope. worshiper. <laughs> <laughs> like, nope, nope, that's 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 retired. But no, I still have a deep, deep, deep love for music. Even got a tattooed on my body. Um, but I just want to talk about it because I yeah. think, especially in these times. Like music is one of those forces that binds us together across racial lines, across backgrounds. So before we dive deep into it, like when did you develop a love for music? I think I developed my love for music right around like uh, like a discoverable love, like knowing that mm-hmm. I had a love for it right around like my teenage years. I've been singing since the age of three. Um, but I didn't really recognize the power of my voice until I was maybe about 13. And I, I grew up Church of God in Christ. So I was asked to sing. Um, if, it, if you know uh, Evangelist Joyce Rogers, she was over yep. the youth department uh, in Dallas and uh, the youth ministry. And so anytime we would do convocation, she would always rally us together. And she asked me to do the sermonic solo for one of the Wednesday nights uh, for the Wednesday night service. And so that was huge. Right. So I discovered at that moment, like, wait a minute, I think I might got something. I might have something a little (laughs) (laughs) And then from there, it just grew. And my mom had always cultivated my gift and really um, poured into me. She was my, I call her my first vocal coach and just the Mm -hmm. purveyor of who the Candy West sound and what people know now. Um, So I think, like I said, it, w- it would have developed around my teenage years. So was mama a musician? She sings too? My mama is a singer. She's a singer, okay. singer. Like she's like, you know, we grew up with, she was like Manny Mouse Jr. Okay. Cause so again, mm-hmm. I grew up Kojic. So she came from that, that old school, open your mouth and sing type of thing. We right. had to learn how to do all the harmony parts. And But my mom is the kind that she, she got the kind of the voice that, that will, Raise the dead out of a casket, you know, and um, just an anointing, just an or special oil and anointing that she's always had. So, yeah, she's she's a singer, singer. 
I love that. And see, I, I grew up Kojic too. And there's like, there's something about our music and our yeah, sound. What? I'm telling you, there is nothing, no shade to no other denomination. And thank God we're we're in a more progressive, free place now. But they, I thank God for that, that training and being raised in that, um, in that congregation. Because for me, just even growing up in my grandfather's church, how they prayed, how they interceded, how they, um, how salvation was a huge thing for us and, and the importance of salvation, all those things. And again, that sound, there's nothing like it. I mean, you got the Clark sisters. I mean, look at us. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, right. And, they, and, they'll, and they'll take one line and drive that thing for 20 minutes. Let me see. They'll, they'll nail it in the ground forevermore. And it is a whole song, you a know? Yes, sir. It is a whole song. So, mm-hmm. okay. So what does like so what overall does music represent? You talked about when you discovered the love of it, but what does like music holistically represent for you in your life? I think music for me holistically, it it is the soundtrack of my life. Music, okay. there's so many different forms and styles of music that fit areas of my life. I have music that I, when I need my faith to be boosted, there's music for that. When I need to be inspired and get ready to work out, there's music for that. Music is the one um, thing that has the most, I believe, has the most influence over people globally all around the world. No matter where you go, music has an imprint somewhere. So for me, like I said, it just fits so many different areas of my life. It's like the soundtrack of my existence. Mm -hmm. So what does that creative process look like when you're writing a song, recording a song, or just want to listen to something special? Like what does that, what does that look like for you? You know what? It really depends. You know, songs come to me. I could be driving down the street and I'll get an inspiration for a song or hear hear a melody. So I have like thousands of voice notes on my phone. And um, but if I'm looking to create something specifically like a single or working on a song for a project, um, I usually, you know, try to get myself in a very quiet, focused place uh, where I can really focus and light the candle you know, make sure that my, my, my energy and my mindset is clear and good so that I can be creative. Um, I have to turn everything else off and down so that I can really focus on tapping into my creativity. So again, for me, it really depends on what I'm writing for. You know, I could be right. I can write a service in the middle of, uh, I could write a song in the middle of service, or I could write a at home and pick one of the voice notes. It just really depends on what the project is and what it's requiring of me. Got you. So were were you anything like Twinkie Clark where you had to, you put that Bible right there in front of you and just (laughs) pull pull scripture out? You know, there are times that I legit, if there's something, especially if it's a a gospel song or a song that I really want to pull context of scripture for, that particular song, I'll open the word and be like, Lord, help me to partner your word with what this song needs to mean. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And see, like, I'm I'm nobody's songwriter, but, you know, when it comes to writing speeches or sermons or anything, like, I think I heard Jonathan McGrindle say this, that shower is undefeated. You be in there by yourself. And, <laughs> and it's something, I don't know if it's a combination of the steam and the acoustics. Like, my wife has literally had to check on me, like, babe, are you preaching a full sermon? I'm like, don't worry about 
what's happening in here? <laughs> God is speaking. Here because, you know, <laughs> God is speaking. Right. Work on me first. <laughs> Listen, right. I got to minister to me. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so have you ever found yourself in that space? It could be one of the most awkward moments where you found yourself ministering to you something that's intent- intended for the public. All the time. All the time. I think that that's, again, is is like the trial period. Like, how does this mm-hmm. feel for me? I never release anything that I don't feel for myself. If I can't stand behind the authenticity of a message, then I don't release the message, no matter what that is. If it's a song, if it's a word, I don't release it if I don't feel like it's authentic to who I am. Got you. So in what ways has like music inspired or challenged you to maybe love better? Um, have a different perspective on something or even pursue your dreams like has has music challenged you to be better you know what the 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 crazy thing is you know I'm a uh almost a 25 year veteran in the music industry and I've had a very in the past 25 years I would say I've had a love-hate relationship with music you know I think a lot of that and that's just me being honest with some of my experiences that I've had some being good some being not so good broken promises wanting to sing not wanting to sing feeling like you have a place for your voice feeling like your voice is not needed in the in the marketplace and I've had such a love-hate relationship with music you know, and I think one of the things that keeps me coming back to it is God reminding me of what he put inside of me and that mm-hmm. what he gave me is something that he didn't give anybody else. And there's an audience for my voice. There's an audience that that wants to hear what I pinned. There's an audience for that. And so the inspiration that keeps me in love with music or keeps me coming back to it is the fact that I know that there is something in me that I'm supposed to release because there's somebody that needs the the creative gift as it relates to music to live or be inspired or encouraged or to feel hope. So I try to keep that at the forefront of my mind. That's that's what's up. And I recently discovered that you are on a ton of some of my favorite albums from, for I consider the goat of music, Mr. Kirk Franklin. I love everything oh, that brother absolutely. drops, everything he drops. So like, just real quick, how, how was that being with Kirk? You know what? I, I love Kirk to this day because he is such a hard worker. He's mm-hmm. so passionate and he believes in excellence. If I can say I took, I've taken anything from him, it will be his work ethic. Like when he works on a project, he ensures that the sound, like sonically, it feels good. Heart wise, like spiritually, it feels good. And that, you know, it's always, and you know, his music is, is always like, on the high level of what you would hear on secular radio. You don't hear a Kirk Franklin song and be like, oh, he did. That mix ain't good. I, you have never been able to say, never. you heard a Kirk Franklin song that was not mixed well. And you never will. You know, you'll <laughs> never hear a Kirk Franklin song and hear and say, the production is good on that song. You'll never be able to say that. If you do, you're a hater. And I'm going to call you out. Come on. Call them out. (laughs) I'm going to call you out. So I've always been inspired by his excellence and his desire to give the best and make sure that he's communicating the message of God in a very practical way. Absolutely. Because his music is so... Um, it's so timeless. Mm-hmm. And there are songs from the like the first album with the family that I can just go back to. And we were just talk about silver and gold. You know, like right now in this time, like I ain't got nothing else. I'm at home all day. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot yeah. of folks been laid off. You know, I just want some little more Jesus, you know, yeah, to, to pull Erica Campbell and then talk about <laughs> Kirk Franklin. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, like it's so timeless. And one thing I've noticed about him and we'll move is like he has seems like he has a formula like his his like all of his hits just like follow this beautiful formula of mm-hmm. like inspiration. Um, it, it is super, super timeless. And like, man, he's, I, I can go all along, on and on about Kurt. Yeah, on and on about he's Kurt. The <laughs> I, I would say out of all the artists that I've worked with, he he's the greatest of all times. He really is mm-hmm. the go funny because Sunday I was cooking in the kitchen and I put, I just, I told Siri to put on Kirk Franklin playlist. And I was like, just listen to all these songs. I was like, wow. Like the man got a catalog. Okay. A, a whole catalog. A whole catalog of songs <laughs> for days. So it was, it, he's amazing. Bet. So speaking of like that timeless piece of Kirk Franklin, how he kind of like merges um, the secular with the sacred and all like, in what ways do you think music unites or even divides us? Ooh, that's a great question. I think that music, it, um, it unites us because again, music is such, it's one of the things that knits us all together. The thing that divides us is, are the styles and genres. You have people that are all about Nuck If You Buck. And then there are people that are, that love Anthony Brown and group therapy, you know? And so mm-hmm. I think just being, being okay with what your judge is or the thing that, that draws you to music or the thing that draws you to a style of music. I think the thing, again, the thing that separates us or divides us is preference. Um, But, you know, all of us are impacted by music. There is some kind of song, some style of music that gets to you, you know, that thing that just drive, that's a driving force for you. Absolutely. And you, you mentioned it earlier talking about, you know, the right music at the right time because mm-hmm. of course Saturday morning is Marvin Gaye it's Earth Wind and Fire when we yep. cleaning up the house when I'm working out God bless the Saints but they not getting me through them push ups and lifting them heavy weights it's it's Absolutely more of a nothing you book <laughs> you know what I'm saying it's the straight up trap you know and then there are like I I, I can pinpoint specific artists and specific songs when I'm going through, when I'm real happy, when mm-hmm. I want to be with my kids, like, you Absolutely. know, and I, it's, it's just a playlist of, like you said, a soundtrack to life. I think a there's a soundtrack to, to, every, to every moment. Absolutely. And I, and I think sometimes, especially us as Christians, we get so caught up in what we believe is to be just the sacred that we miss the humanity of music mm-hmm. and how we can, you know, that. really, you know, fuel the culture and Mm -hmm. like really bring memorable moments to moments. Right. Because when I'm having a date night with my wife, Shirley Caesar ain't it, you know, I'm I'm (laughs) not either. either. I want to take a drive. Yeah. But if y'all trying to chill and do the merry thing, y'all ain't trying, y'all ain't trying to be, you know, and God bless Bishop Jakes, but the sacred love song CD ain't it. Not for me. Not for me. I I ain't going to do it. I, I ain't gonna <laughs> not for me, you no, know. I'm so I just it ain't gonna get it because I don't want to hear him come in. I don't want I don't that know. one. Ain't gonna no. <laughs> when he come no. in like that. I'll be like, nope, we gotta, we gotta find something else to do. Hey. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, <Alexa>. uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're in like 
some crazy times. 2020 decided to come in and be everything Y2K thought she was going to be. Let me and, tell you, um, <laughs> what's wrong with 2020? She got a she got an attitude. A whole attitude. And she done brought Rona. She done brought all kind of unrest and everything mm-hmm. our way. Um, but considering all of this foolishness that we're, that we're facing, how can artists use the art of music as a healing mechanism? Ooh. You know what? I One of the things that I believe, because, you know, music can be healing. Mm-hmm. And one way that artists can use healing, uh, use music as a healing me- mechanism is find the message that ministers to the place that you need the most healing, where you need the healing balm the most. Some people, it may be, you know, music that that ignites their creativity. For somebody, it may be music that that gives them hope or gives them courage. But I believe that it could be applied to whatever area that needs that healing balm the most. And finding that artist or that genre or that style of music that really reaches you in that place where you need it. Mm-hmm. You know. So should should every artist feel pressure to do that? Oh, absolutely not. I think there is a pressure that comes along with that, mm-hmm. but you don't have to succumb to the pressure. You could choose, and because at the end of the day, it's about what you feel called to do. It's about what you feel called, to, the message that you feel called to convey. You know, um, I write love songs. I write all kinds of songs, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily feel the call to be Fantasia. You know what I mean? I can right. write songs for Fantasia, but I don't necessarily feel called to her audience. And so I think that you, as an artist, you just have to be true to who you feel like you are to reach, who you feel like your audience is, who you feel like your message reaches the most, and stay to that and you don't have to succumb to the pressure of because you have you you're focusing one style or genre of music you don't have to feel the pressure of oh but maybe i should try this if you don't really feel called to that do what's authentic to you because that's what is going to reach people that's what people are going to connect with people connect with authenticity they can always tell when something is synthetic and they can tell when something is authentic they can tell that's so good and I think that one statement alone relieves not only just musical artists, but people in general from the pressure of having to respond specifically to what's going on today. Like everybody wants to do a Black Lives Matter something or this kind of record or artistry or, you know, creative something. And I think I was talking to a friend about it. Like sometimes if you don't have anything to say or contribute, it's best. And I think that's an easy way to be responsible with your platform because mm-hmm. so many people have started talking and doing stuff and we didn't ask you to say nothing. And Dude. now you're in trouble now. because you didn't say, you not, you didn't say it the wrong thing. You so I think we're, Nobody was right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're leaving them of their pressure of not like if you don't know what to say. Don't, I, I love when Dave Chappelle opened up. His comedy, the most recent one he did, I'm not even mm-hmm. a big Dave Chappelle fan, but he opened it up and said, like, I didn't say nothing for a minute because I didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And he was like, now that I got some language, y'all going to get these jokes. And I thought as trivial as that may have sound, I thought that was so important and so responsible for him as an influencer, um, as as a creative in his own right. So like, I'm not just going to give you something because I'm Dave Chappelle and people yeah. are looking for me to say something because I'm still human too. And I think we have to respect that from each creative and not pressure them to always perform in moments when we re- need healing and allow, to your point, people who are really called to that space and have a voice for this season 
to really mm-hmm. speak and sing and minister or whatever in these moments. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's good. Yeah. So how has music, how has music healed you? Or is there one particular song that you could think back on? that was like, mm, that's the one that got me through. You know, uh, there is not one particular song that I could pinpoint for a moment in time um, because it just, you know, I always find a song for a season that I'm in, right? Yeah. I think what I, what I can say to that point is there is a song that God gave that I wrote that still to this day not only ministers to me when I hit those pockets in my life, but to this day people say this song helped me through a very hard season. And it's a song called contentment that was on my live project. And um, contentment is just really about trusting God when you don't know exactly what he's doing, but you know that he has a plan for you and you may not like the season that you're in, but it doesn't mean the season you're in is final. And that song, I think was the song that really was the catalyst of me understanding the power of trusting God. And the power of being able to rest when things around me would want to cause me to be restless. So that would be the song that that has done it for me, you know, and and continues to do it for me and others. You know, for me, I think one of those songs that's consistent, I got to pull Kirk back into the conversation, is Mm -hmm. on the the Fight of My Life album, um, How We Used To Be. Like anytime mm. I feel like, you know, God, I just, I ain't here today. That one right there. It's like, it's yeah. so Davidic is the, mm-hmm. the word I want to say. It's, it reminds me of like a Psalms. Um, and it just, when I tell you that thing ministered to me in whatever season yeah. <laughs> I am in. Um, and it's just like, that would be the one for me specifically that it doesn't matter what season. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. That's the one that's going to always um, hit them heartstrings. So the current state of music is an interesting one. Yeah, it is. In gospel and rap and everything. What are your thoughts on it? You know, I think that, you know, I am not a, at this point in my life, I'm not uh-huh. a huge rap fan. Um, There are guys that I like and I enjoy, you know, I like, you know, J. Cole, I like Drake. Um, I like guys that, that are lyrically clever and still have something to say. Mm-hmm. I'm not a mumble rap fan, so you know <laughs> that's, that's not my thing. I'm more of a I love lyricist, um, and um, so I think the industry at large is in a very interesting place because if we talk if we talk strictly gospel music, I think uh, over the course of the past ten ten or so years, we've been driven to what sounds like CCM or what would fit in a CCM space or what, you know, making sure that our songs can cross over into the CCM genre or the CCM style church when the reality of it is they're not singing our songs. And so it's like, why are we making music for them and not making music for us? And yes, I love, I love CCM style worship, but I've always had like a, I've always contended with, that the pressure of, well, we need, you know, we want like worship style songs for radio. It's like, but that's not who I am. And so Mm -hmm. I either now have to be unauthentically 
me to fit a space just for acceptance, or I can go against the grain and be a Jonathan McReynolds, or I can go against the grain and be a PJ Morton. I can go against the grain and, and say, this is who I am. This is my voice. And there's an audience for it. And it may not be mainstream, you know, it may be, you know, low stream, but <laughs> you know, I think that there's a lot of pressure to fit a box that is created um, based on what they feel like people love. And um, I think that it's, it's a sad thing because there are a lot of artists that don't get a fair chance. They don't get a fair play at radio because of it. Their music may not fit the box, but their message may be amazing, you know? So it's in a very, very interesting place. So what is, I guess, so what is one concept or perspective you would take from the past to kind of mitigate this interesting place that the music industry is in? You know what? The thing I love about where we are, even as mm-hmm. it relates to technologies and things of that nature, you ha- now have social media that plays a huge part in how people are able to engage. I think now we've learned that with radio is becoming more and more obsolete and it's all about engaging people using your influence, using what you've got being creative to impact the people like, okay, then y'all don't want to play my songs on radio. So what I'll do now is create a platform where I can reach people through Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all of these different means. And so I think really capitalizing on the freedom of social media to engage audiences that aren't riding, listening to the radio in the car. You know, most Mm -hmm. people are listening to their, you know, Apple Music or iTunes or Google Play. Everybody's not even on Sirius XM. So really getting people where they are and maximizing that. I think that that would really help, especially artists that are looking to how to engage and a, a new audience or how to engage in a different way and give them a different level of impact, reach people where they are. If you know, people are on Instagram sponsor, sponsor a post of, of one of your songs playing for 30 seconds or a minute, yeah. draw them in and go from there. So you mentioned something. I, I got to jump back to it about okay. rappers who have really good lyrical content. So I got to mm-hmm. ask the age old question, big ear pock. Oh man, <laughs> that is so hard because I think that Pac was more conscious. He was more culture conscious, you know. So if we're going, if we had to compare who is more culture conscious, then I would go with Pac. But I'm just gonna go with dope lyricists, cadence, all of that. It's gonna be Biggie for me all day. It's gotta be Biggie. You know, it's gonna be Biggie. Like Biggie just, he had a swag about himself. Like no matter what kind of beat he got, you never knew what approach he was going to take. And so that for me, it's like with Pac, you knew it was going to be, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Biggie, it was like you never knew he was going to lay into that song. And so I, I if, it, if it came with, if it was about style, if it came down to style, I would definitely say Biggie would be number one. And if it came down to culture consciousness, then it would be Tupac for me. Absolutely. And I, that's the argument that I've been having with people 
since forever. I think culturally, even if they were alive today, I think Pac would probably be the bigger cultural icon because he oh, was he, already he in the, the forefront of Black Lives Matter. Absolutely. Because <laughs> he was already acting. Um, he was, you know, he was doing stuff that a lot of like he really set the tone for what a lot of rappers are doing now, you know, crossing into acting in Hollywood and music and all these other types of things. So I definitely think he would have like mastered that. But I do think Biggie would have been the one just owning the rap game um, mm. just by, you know, pure lyrics, pure style, pure music. Like he just, he had it. And not to say that Pac didn't have it either, but I do think sometimes as much as it is a common comparison, it's an yes. unfair one. It's it's definitely an unfair one because they were, they were two completely like Pac is on one end of the spectrum. Biggie is on the other end. So it's kind of hard to compare the two. Mm-hmm. Really I feel the same good. way about the Monica Brandy comparison too. Like oh my God. you okay, have, so-, <laughs> so you have, I mean, you have, no, go ahead, go ahead. I want you to go, go ahead. <laughs> Monica and Brandy, like for me, Monica is that the church girl. She, she, she you know what I'm saying? She sings down and Brandy is just this, <sighs> this vocal anomaly. And I, and I think they're wow. so, again, they're yeah. so different. But, you know, they grew up in the same era. They had this, you know, whatever kind of beef they had. And it's just and and it fueled this comparison. But I think it does a disservice to both of them to be like, I'm going to go Monica over Brandy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, they don't compare. (laughs) I think Monica, in essence, is more relatable. She has a very girl, cutesy girl next door. Yes. About her, right? She's very relatable. Um, and Brandy, I believe, appeals to more of like the creative, the musician, the singer, the artist, you know, um, the web designer, the people that work in creative arts and they get musicality and they love all of that. I think she appeals more to that person, more of the creative, but a regular, you know, average person would probably flock more to Monica than they would Brandy. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. I agree. So tell me. Who has been that artist or artists who have been most influential on your sound and your career? Oh, wow. That's a great question. I would honestly, I, I would have to take it back to um, my mom. Is my, which I think she had the first imprint. I sound a lot like my mother, like my tone, uh, my timbre is, is a lot like her. So, you know, I am an extension of her. And um, as far as musical influence, the Clock Sisters, of course, like come on, the Clock Sisters. <laughs> I mean, all day. Aretha Franklin, Shaka Khan, Layla Hathaway, um, Donnie Hathaway, Stevie Wonder. Love PJ Moore, and I just love his um, artistry and how he he's very true to who he is. I'm very inspired by that, and. Um, you know, the list can go on and on and on. But those are just a few artists that that have inspired me and their sound has impacted my sound in, in some shape, form or fashion. OK, so if you could work with any artist, dead or alive, just one, who would it be? And Don't why? do me like that. That's I not got fair. And, and this ain't even the last hard question, but. Uh. That's not fair. <laughs> if I could work with any artist. Dead or alive? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, that is so good. If I could work with any artist, dead or alive, it would probably be 
I would want to say it may be Aretha Franklin. Like I would have loved okay. to have worked with her or worked for her or, you know, in some capacity or another, it definitely would be maybe Aretha Franklin. Okay. Yeah. Cause okay. her soul, not- like my mom, uh, I have to keep referencing my mom because, you know, mm-hmm. like she was my first, my mom had, um, she did soul music in the seventies. So if you look up Tommy Young on, YouTube, all of her 70s stuff. She sounded just like Aretha Franklin. So that was my first, before I knew who Aretha Franklin was, my mom's voice was the first voice that made me say, oh my God, I want to do that. And so then learning who Aretha Franklin was like, oh my God, she sounded like my mama. Like, (laughs) like, so just that influence and just that imprint that I believe that Aretha had on my mom that my mom has had on me. So I think that that would just be, that would be amazing. All right. So I got, I got two more hot seat questions before we wrap it up. Oh boy. So this first one is a A and B. Um, so we, you know, we, you're a Clark sisters fan. I am a Clark sisters fan. Okay. When okay. the movie was on, I was giving commentary to everybody who was here. I was like, listen, so this happened because of that. <laughs> and that's just like, <laughs> cause you know, you grew up coaching, you, 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 it's like, you know, them, you know, mm-hmm. and you listen, you grew up on their music. Um, so favorite Clark sister song and favorite Clark sister. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is terrible. This is, these are these are great and terrible questions. <laughs> I would say my favorite Clark sisters song is um, "Jesus Is a Love Song." I think that is one of my favorite Clark songs, and and then my favorite Clark sister is Dorinda. Dorinda Clark Cole. Okay. Okay. Current Karen kind of run neck and neck for me, but I would say Dorinda, Dorinda, I've, I've always loved her voice and her style and her raspiness and, you know, how she just digs into a song. Like Karen is just, she's the vocal acrobat. She can do mm-hmm. absolutely. She's fearless. Right. But I just love how Dorinda had that soul about her. Yeah, yeah so. absolutely. With Dorinda being my favorite Clark sister as well, uh, I am partial to a ra- a good raspy voice. It's just something about that thing that just mm-hmm. yes, you know, sir. sparks something in me. And my favorite Clark sister song would have to be "Looking to Get There." Um, Ooh, that's I don't a good know. One. It's just that 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 funky that just that thing just ugh. That's a good one. Um, okay, you ready for the last one? Mm-hmm. Let's go. Okay, Let's go. so. I'm sure you've seen like the games and the memes about one guy to go. And how how I want to play this one is that we're going to start with the, the 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 top three that's going to stay on the board that you're going to keep. And we're going to explain why we're going to eliminate the last one. So your four are. Okay. And when we say one got to go, this means like the artists and everything that they've ever done. So soundtracks. Movie appearances, everything got to go. All right, I hate so. this. I just want you to know, I don't like it. I don't like it. So, okay. Anita Baker, mm-hmm. Stevie Wonder, mm-hmm. Aretha Franklin, mm-hmm. L- Luther Vandross. Anita, she got to go. <laughs> that was that was go quick. No, now first of all, Stevie catalog, Luther catalog, Aretha Franklin. Catalogs, <laughs> like I'm talking about decades of catalogs, right? Yeah. So 
Anita, though, her greatest impact was like in the 80s and early 90s when she was mm-hmm. hot. But, you know, she don't have like decades of catalogs like the three of them do, you know. No, that that's, you know what? I hadn't really thought about it like that. I know she's always mentioning like the goats and the greatest conversations. But mm-hmm. thinking of it that way, like she, if we lost all of her hits, I don't think it would be as much of a loss as it would be to some like to some of these other folks. Oh, absolutely. I, I don't, you know, she has some class. She absolutely, absolutely. has some classics, right? We're caught up but in the rapture is my joy. Caught up in the rapture, huh? <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the Essentials Anita Baker album on iTunes is just, is a must have. But if we lost that, I think we would be okay. <laughs> We're still in good hands with the trio. We're still in good hands. Got it. Got it. So uh, is there anything that you want to say to um, aspiring artists, music lovers, just any advice, any words of encouragement, just anything you want to give us? What I would say is don't be afraid to create and don't be afraid to release. Don't wait on a record deal. Don't wait on some some magical contract or somebody, some investor. There are ways that you can get it done and release it and be okay with it being a slow momentum building it up, but do it for yourself. Even if you're not doing it for anybody else, release it, release the song, release the album, do the EP, go after it, write the song, connect with other producers or writers or artists or vocalists, but do something. Don't let that creativity just sit and collect dust. There is somebody that is going to be impacted by what God has put inside of you. So release it, do it and, and be okay with whatever happens, you know, like whatever it is, let it be, but release it, go for it, go for it. And what, and what about the average, just Joe Blow music lover? How can we have a greater appreciation and get lost in the music, in the sound? Keep supporting it. Your every stream, every download, supporting the artists going, if they have product or content, supporting, 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 and letting your presence be known through what they're doing is how artists are able to keep doing what they're doing. Like you have verses where they're, they've been doing these lives with the battles and stuff like that. And, you know, half a million people are viewing those things and those numbers make a difference for that artist. You know, people are going back and buying music that they didn't know. I didn't know that artist did that song. And so, these things make a difference. So as an average person that just says, hey, I'm not a creative. I can't sing or play. I just love music. Buy the music. And don't just stream it. Buy it. Support Buy it. it. Download it. And, and support your favorite artist or that new up-and-coming artist because it, it works wonders. It gives them a little more of a push when you engage in, in their artistry. Is there a versus that you haven't seen that you want to see? I ha- I did not see the um, John Legend and Alicia Keys one. I did not see that one that happened this past weekend. And just seeing the dual, the dueling pianos, like the picture of the two pianos in the room, I was like, that shot alone is dope. So I would love, I've seen most of them. That's the one I haven't seen that I would like to see. Okay. Is there like one that hasn't happened yet that you want to see? Ooh. Oh, that's a great one. I think that if they did a Brandy versus uh, Monica versus would be, re- I think that was, sh- I think that may shut some of the chatter down. I don't know. 
you know, it may respark it, but I think that would be a dope one to see. And it'll shut the internet down. Everybody is going to tune in. Absolutely <laughs> would. It would shut the internet. I think I would, I would love to see CeCe Winans and Yolanda Adams do a versus. Oh, that's a good, that's a good one. Yeah. I've been trying to think um, like other gospel artists. I know I watched the Kirk and Fred one. Um, like who else would be like real comparable? I want to see, I would love to see the Clark sisters versus the Winans. Um, Ooh, that's good. That's mm-hmm. a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> All right. So Candy, I am so appreciative for you being here, joining us in the virtual living room. It has been a super, super dope conversation. Tell the people anything you got coming up next and how they can follow you. Absolutely. Well, you can first follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. On Instagram, I am the Candy West. On Instagram, on Twitter, I'm at Candy West. Facebook, Candy West. And my website will be released in July. I actually have a single that will also be released really soon. I'm really excited about that. I have a book coming out in the fall. Excited about that. So y'all just stay tuned. Make sure you follow me because you'll get all the updates on the up and coming things for me. So yes. And this plug, she's on, she's featured on this song with some of my Memphis folk, Vincent Tharmechanosis. And she she takes the glory up. You hear me? Especially (laughs) in in a season where, you know, listen, this is for all my church babies. We ain't been in a sanctuary when I tell yeah, you that song puts me in a virtual sanctuary and I go, oh, when she start calling that thing out from the north, south, east, and west, <laughs> I got lost it. I said, woman of God, what are you doing to me? Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but no, thank you, thank you, thank you again. Um, we're going to move on to our next segment where we talk about self-care. It's going to be I Am My Brother and My Sister's Keeper. Let's do it, y'all. So what's going on, y'all? We are back for another segment of I Am My Brother and Sister's Keeper. Um, And Candy, tell us, what are you doing this weekend for self-care? What's Black Woman Self-Care for you looking like? Black Woman Self-Care for me this weekend will probably be um, taking some downtime to take a walk exercise, breathe in some fresh air prayerfully. It's not raining here in Huntsville and um, scheduling my next therapy session because it's so important for me. Jesus and therapy is, is a blessing to your life. So, you know, making sure that I, I get that, that mind care and that heart care too. See, the, the listeners know how I feel about therapy because listen, if it was not for Jesus and my therapist, I don't know where I would be. Let it me is. tell you, <laughs> let me tell you, we thank God for Jesus, okay? But we thank God for creating the therapist as well to partner with Jesus in our walk. Listen, and we can say that 500 million times. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> for me this weekend, um, I don't know. I think I'm just going to get lost maybe in the art of um, planning some things out. I am a, I've admitted it before, I'm hyperproductive. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I just start working. I just, I, ooh, let me do this. Let me do that. Let me do this. So I'm going to try out what it looks like to organize at least a day okay. and try to, you know, rest in the contentment of Josh. It don't all have to be done in one day. That's you're going so to good. do these one, two or three things and you're going to be okay with that. Pace so hopefully my, my anxiety doesn't go through the roof. Uh, <laughs> and I give myself grace to do it, but I'm going to definitely try it because when it's happened haphazardly, I found out that I was what I produce is a lot better because I'm rested. I'm more Mm -hmm. focused on what I'm doing. Um, So that's exactly what I'm going to try to do 
Good. This weekend. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Please do that. Yes, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So, Candy, thank you. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast, y'all. This is a wrap. We're going to go into our final segment of the show, A Greater Conversation. Let's do it. Because that's all I really have for what I'm about to talk about in today's greater conversation. It was just a lot of deep breaths, even as I processed it. So last week, let's just get into it. I'm going to try not to make this long. Last week, we talked about Kanye West and his alleged or I I don't I don't even know at this point him wanting to run for president right we talked about it and how dumb it was and all these different types of things and how it was not you know not a real possibility because there are so many different things and hurdles that you have to jump through to be able to actually get on a ballot so that is still a thing however he did you know, run and have these interviews or say that he was going to run anyway, have these interviews about what his platform would be. They were very vague and very confusing Um, and went so far as to choose a running mate. Some preacher out of Wyoming can't remember the woman's name right now. And that, that really doesn't matter. Don't really care. Um, So he, he did all of that. So it was as wild and crazy and as much of a long shot as it, is it was still a very real thing that this fool was running or is running for president right so later he decides to drop out right because you know common sense hopefully okay and then he doesn't because he's back in because he officially files the paperwork to be on the ballots and to be a candidate And he lists his candidacy as a member of the birthday party, as we described, because if he wins and he thinks that he will, it's going to be everyone's birthday. I know it doesn't make sense, but nothing makes sense right now anyway. So let's just roll with it. Okay. He does all of this. What is so frustrating is the response from the black community particularly those who are, of course, hate and despise the presidency of Donald Trump. Okay, granted, I don't like his presidency either. I don't like anything the man stands for, all of that kind of stuff. So I get it. Trust me. When I say I get it, I get it. Also, the amount of black and brown folk and few white folk who don't who do not trust um, Joe Biden, former vice president Biden, he is just not it. Like, and I understand like between Trump and Biden, it's like choosing between manure and mud. Like we don't have a lot of options here. So I, I get it. But at the same time, none of that makes Kanye West a viable option 
So for every person who is seriously considering, like save your conspiracy theories, save all the other garbage that you can throw at me, nothing about what you would have to say would make it make sense why West would be a candidate that should be taken seriously in any regard. A man who has no idea about policy, a man who has zero political experience, a man who has not even participated in the voting process is attempting to run the United States of America, a man who's married to a Kardashian. That should be disqualifying enough. If nothing else speaks to poor judgment, the fact that you married Kim Kardashian should speak to all of the poor judgment that a person could ever have. I am not understanding why this is even a thing in the thoughts of people. And what was most disappointing was my spiritual son, Chancellor Bennett, a.k.a. Chance the Rapper, B.K.A. Lechano from 79. Bro, he got on Twitter and started tweeting these things in support of Chance the Rapper because we know how Chance feels about Kanye. Right, wrong, and different, right? And, you know, Kanye releases this song with, entitled, you know, his mom's name and all that different kind of stuff. And I don't know if that sparked something in Chano's brain, but he started talking about, you know, why, you know, why can't, you know, Kanye be the president and all these kind of things in support of this candidacy. And sir, whoo, mighty God, they drew, you just like, as much as I hate to say it, gosh, you deserve the dragging that you got. It was worth it because there was no like, I'm going to say this again, celebrities. If you don't know what to say, let's try not saying anything. And let's take it a step further. When you do feel like you know what to say, but it may not be just the best thing is to say. Keep that at home. Like there are certain conversations that should just remain in your close circle with your spouse, with your significant other, with your friends, with your family. Right. Because they are just not prudent for the public. I just I don't know. Anyway, he decided to do it as he began to engage other people on Twitter. Um, he began to kind of backpedal a little, a little bit in his support and starting to say, you know, things like. I understand that everyone who's voting for Biden is not enthusiastic about voting for Biden because this was one of the things that he was kind of alluding to in his original tweets was about, you know, why are we voting for Biden? Why isn't Kanye's candidacy? Um, why can't it be real? What makes Biden a better option? Things like that, too. So he began to kind of double back a little bit and he talked about, you know, being on this hill and he was coming back down the hill, alluding to, in the sense, the kind of Terry Crews thing. Remember the introduction of this episode <laughs> um, where Terry Crews last week when we talked about which about this hill that he was going to die on. He got into the Twitter conversation and began to, in some ways, kind of back up chance and say, yeah, this is what this is how people treat you. And you begin to think for yourself, things like that. And chance. 
politely said, I am running. He said, his tweet said, I'm sprinting down this hill. Um, <laughs> I now know like what I said was dumb, but this is in the third. He went on to say, everybody vote for Trump is not doing it enthusiastically. And I do not accept any endorsement <laughs> or support that I received from Terry Crews, right? It's sad that it took Terry Crews to jump into the conversation for you to realize that what you said was not right. But I'm so glad that you came to the realization. As much as I love you and I loved your music, I would have hated to hate you for standing on that hill um, or be mad at you. I'm going to hate you, bro, uh, for standing on that hill. And, you know, Terry, we all know Terry Crews is in the sunkest of sunken places right now. Um, so. It's so sad that that had to happen. Why did I say all of that? I started off the rant talking about us who are realistically thinking about Kanye West as a president. I hope that I hope that this is like the pot calling the kettle black or me preaching to the choir right now, because most of the people who listen to this podcast are probably people who would not take that candidacy seriously. However, if there is one, let me tell you right now, this is not the opportunity for you to be playing games. This is not the opportunity for you to say, nope, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to vote for Kanye West anyway because I don't like damn one of them. No. What Donald Trump has proven is that this is what a presidency looks like when somebody with zero political experience and has no idea what they're doing is running the country. You're just going to do it again with melanated skin. OK, Kanye West will literally be pretty much the same thing that we have right now. Maybe not on the extreme end of racist and a bigot and things like that, but in terms of not knowing what the heck he's doing in that office, oh yeah, absolutely the same. Kanye West has no idea what he would be doing as a president. No idea. And I'm sure that his um, office and cabinet appointments would be even more ridiculous. Please do not get to these polls in November, okay? And start making foolish decisions. If he appears on your poll, do not vote for that fool. If you have the opportunity to write his name in, do not do that. Do not waste your energy writing that in. Okay. I am not going to tell you who to vote for because that is not my place. However, I want you to make an educated and well-informed decision, not just for you right now, but for your legacy, for generations to come, for the change that you want to see in this country. Okay. Those are the kind of decisions that I want you to make. And there are there is one person specifically who I'm talking about, Kanye West, who is not a part of that agenda. And there's another one in office now who's also not a part of that agenda. <laughs> so, again, um, let's not take Kanye West seriously, like for real. Like, I'm not even here to drag y'all. Let's just have a conversation. Let's just have a greater conversation. And the greater conversation of it all today is what? Let's let, let's solve. Let's solve this puzzle piece. OK, this is one of the puzzle pieces that we will solve. Ain't no Jenga, ain't no mazes, ain't nothing complicated about this one. Get out and vote. Do not vote for Kanye West. Amen. All right. And that wraps up another episode of a Jigsaw. <laughs> oh, man, this has been a fun one and an interesting one. But I hope, as always, that it has been one that you have enjoyed. I absolutely love our time together every single week. And I just want to give a huge thank you to everyone who has listened. We've had hundreds and hundreds. We're reaching that thousands mark of listeners who have listened to us over the past. This is episode eight. Wow, we're on episode eight. Episode eight. And 
we've had so many great listeners and great feedback so far. And I, again, I could not do any of this without you. I love doing this. I love having our conversations. And I'm just excited about how we're going to grow. Uh, speaking of that, in way of announcements, um, the workout class that I do is back. We are coming back at you this Saturday via Zoom, so you don't have to be in the Atlanta area. I won't even be in the Atlanta area this weekend. I'm going to see my family, going to going to quarantine at their house. <laughs> um, but yeah, so join us, though. We're still going to be working out. So join us via Zoom. We're going to be working out our class, $5.50. You can go to IamJoshRogers.com to register, and that is on that. Sunday school is about to happen. I think I told y'all last week that Sunday school is going to be a portion of the show that is literally going to come out on Sunday mornings where I interview some really inspirational people, have some really dope conversations about some necessary topics, and we're just going to see how it goes. It's going to be a special edition to the jigsaw is going to be a limited edition of just a few weeks that we're going to run it and um, then we're going to move on to our next big thing so it is really like a season of preparation for us as we go into the next big thing as we kind of revamp and restructure what we're doing here i know that we're still early but i promise you this is going to be something that you're looking for that you're going to look forward to that's going to be super super dope and i cannot wait to announce it i cannot wait to bring it to you it's going to be amazing. As always, you can follow us on socials at the Jigsaw Podcast on social medias at I am Josh Rogers is where you can find me. You can email us. You can email us your questions, your comments, your concerns. You can email us um, something for a bless up report. And you can even email us your greater conversation, something that you want to rant and rave and talk about too. We'll read it. We'll go through it. We'll make it happen. You can send that to the GXR podcast at gmail.com. And then we will be able to look at those, read those and determine if it'll make the show or not. Most of them will. I, I think y'all gonna come up with some good stuff. So love y'all again. Super appreciative that you joined us. And as always do what you can, why you can the best way that you can. Don't you left life stress y'all out, but here's the kicker. Don't you ever get caught with your work undone. All right, y'all. See y'all next week.